Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and it'll be just me today. We're going to do a solo episode, and we're going to talk about my thoughts on kind of the phases of being a sports chiropractor. And I originally talked about the three phases or um, time periods with uh, Dr. Alan Sokoloff, and that was the episode from August 24th, where we talked about positioning yourself as a sports chiropractor in your community. But a little bit of a sidebar conversation him and I had was kind of these phases, and and we're in this third iteration of uh, sports chiropractic. And I want to dive into phase one, two, and then really focus on phase three, where we're at right now with a lot of um, newer, younger, let's call it uh, phase three sports chiropractors and some things uh, to look out for for that. And honestly, what we're going to talk about in that phase three, some of it applies to phase two and phase one and that type of stuff, or even if you're not a sports chiropractor, but uh, you might find yourself having some parallel issues Uh, that I'm seeing within that phase three of sports chiropractors. So let's kind of go back in time. And, you know, Dr. Sokoloff's been a sports chiropractor for for quite a few years. And uh, docs like him and Thomas Hyde, and I'm even going to have Troy Van Beesen on the show in the the near future. Uh, Really, a lot of them, even my mentor, Dr. Andrew Wasserman, paved paved a way of, of sports chiropractic where it really wasn't even a thing uh, you know, they're doing this in the 80s and 90s, and and ultimately, you weren't necessarily labeled as a sports chiropractor, but they were treating a lot of athletes, um, had a very good um, examination process of sports injuries, and ultimately were treating them, you know, with chiropractic manipulation, maybe really strong on some extremity work with manipulation, uh, a little bit of rehab modalities. Maybe the modalities back then were electrical stim and ultrasound, right? Uh, they were uh, doing some, maybe some soft tissue, but it was the early stages of it. You know, like let's just take someone like uh, Thomas Hyde, who really was on the frontier of it. I remember when I took my first Graston Technique seminar in 2005, he taught it. And he was one of the early ones, early pioneers of soft tissue work and getting into that. But a lot of these sports chiros, um, Grasson didn't exist, ART didn't exist, right? A lot of the delineated uh, certified soft tissue techniques didn't really exist. And that was that phase one, mostly under the insurance model. Insurance reimbursed rather well back then, right? So they were typically in the insurance model. And it was more manipulation-heavy with adding really good examination of sports injuries and then some of the uh, modalities that we we talked about. And, you know, it was a model that early on, if you if you know kind of the adoption phase cycle you see everywhere, that early adopter phase, there probably wasn't a ton of people searching out sports chiropractors. They would just happen to find these particular doctors and get great care and and it paid really well, and then they would refer, refer a lot of people because it was unique care, and it was comprehensive, and, and, and they were getting results, right? And they, and they did really well, and ultimately, a lot of these docs were industry transformers and started to uh, teach the next generation of chiropractors that wanted to work with, with athletes, and, and that kind of goes into the uh, 
phase two of sports chiropractors where I would place uh, myself. And I benefited uh, greatly from uh, a few of the phase one doctors. And, and I remember, you know, my story, I was an athlete growing up. Uh, I was an exercise physiology major at Florida State University. Uh, my sophomore year, I, I started, I was an assistant strength conditioning coach for all of the teams, except for football, baseball, and I think men's basketball, but all the other athletics uh, did that for a year. Um, then I transitioned into, it was a one-year internship program. Then I transitioned into the main fitness center there and got fitness certified and ultimately worked towards my uh, CSCS. And I was really heavily involved in exercise physiology, strength conditioning, fitness, really knew when I did get to chiropractic school, I wanted to focus on athletics. I didn't really know what that looked like uh, at the time. I did shadow a, a good, a really good phase one sports chiropractor in Tallahassee for a semester. Uh, took that upon myself to make sure I still wanted to go to chiropractic school. So I did a semester of shadowing. I think it was two, two days a week or two afternoons a week after classes and, and really saw someone doing a lot of stuff. He had a gym in his in his practice, actually. Uh, maybe you know not all the equipment I would have today, but for uh, nineteen no, probably nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, it was pretty impressive. Let's take a short break for one of our great sponsors, TrackStat. It is a new type of software plugin for your EHR that combines patient communication, marketing, automation, and statistics with patient and employee tracking. Built by chiropractors for chiropractors, it shows your team what to focus on each day. See patient visit habits, missing information, unpaid bills, insurance collection visit average, and more. Great visibility of data so you can focus on filling your office with your best patients. When you can see what your staff and patients are doing or not doing and take action accordingly, your profits naturally grow. Take TrackStat for a test drive in your office with our free trial. Not a techie, no problem, we can help. To get started on your free trial, visit trackstat.org and watch the demo. That is trackstat.org. All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. And so I, you know, really was excited to get into chiropractic school and uh, try to learn as much as I could with, um, you know, sports injuries, athletics, and, and things of that nature. And, and so I got into school, I kind of, uh, you know, floundered around for a year. And then luckily for me, I did, and I've mentioned this many times 
on the show, I, I found Motion Palpation Institute, and I was lucky enough, uh, Brett Winchester was a student there when I was. He was a couple years older, but he was the rep for MPI, and uh, we really dove into that. That kind of led me down to realizing there was other things like active release technique, uh, Titleist Performance Institute, Graston Technique, uh, as well as rehab, right? MPI was uh, obviously foundationally palpation and adjustment, and I was getting a lot of work in on that, but they were also uh, introducing us to some rehab protocols and assessments, and, and I really had found my, my kind of family there. And graduated in 2005, and I would say that phase two chiropractor from then, you know, a little bit before then, I wasn't the pioneer of phase two at all. There was definitely chiropractors out there, um, late nineties, uh, early two thousands. And if I had to sum up the, the essence of the sports chiropractor of phase two back then, and again, this is a, a generalization, but it was, it was typically the chiropractor that was still pr- rather strong with, uh, palpation and manipulation and extremity manipulation, but then had a big, um, emphasis and layer of soft tissue and definitely active release technique was the um, big, big thing. Uh, Still is big, obviously, but it was massive there and had a huge movement and teams, professional teams were starting to look for ART providers. I remember moving down to South Florida and which is a big metropolitan area. And I was in um, the, we'll call it the Fort Lauderdale area at the time. And it, and I was the only, I was, I was ART certified full body there was nobody in Miami. I mean, think about how big Miami is. There was nobody in Miami. Uh, there was another guy in East Fort Lauderdale, another guy in another part of Fort Lauderdale. And then there was nobody all the way until you got up to North Palm Beach County, up in, up into the Palm Beach Gardens, Jupiter area, which you may have heard of Jupiter with all the golfers now. And so there was like a few of us doing ART and I was starting to get a lot of ART referrals from the provider site. But the ultimate... Um, combination seemed to be three things. And you can put grass in a soft tissue, but let's call three things you were seeing it transition to. It was strong on palpation manipulation. It was strong on soft tissue. And then we would layer in um, some rehab, but it was more of, okay, let, let me show you a few exercises to do to supplement the work, do these at home. You'll do them each time you come in. Um, and then we still had the strong evaluation of sports injuries. And then there was other, you know, there was other modalities for sure sprinkled in. You were still seeing some of the um, uh, ultrasounds and electrical stims. You still see that. Uh, again, a lot. Of, some of this is just generalization, but overall, definitely a theme uh, that I saw. And then you started to see the introduction of maybe some laser therapy um, as well into the late 2000, or yeah, maybe, I don't know, 2010, eight, nine, there's definitely people doing it before that. Uh, but you started to see it peripherate a little bit more into that time time frame. And so there, that was really the phase two chiropractor, you know, and layer on what you will, right? I was TPI certified, so that was a big push with TPI. SFMA, SFMA FMS was, was getting popular. You definitely, um, you're, you're having people uh, with, I would say, you know, let's backtrack a little bit, right? Uh, Craig Liebenson was someone who I remember reading his books early on in school, probably 2003. He was that early pioneer of introducing the rehab heavily into prob- probably phase two. I know he would be a phase one most likely, 
but I feel like my cohort of uh, chiropractors was learning a lot of the rehab uh, from him. And that's ultimately what a phase two chiropractor was. I feel like if you went to a, a sports chiropractic office at that point, and obviously a lot of us are still treating that way now, um, but you got a good palpation manipulation. You got a good examination of sports injury or whatever pain you had. You got a good palpation adjustment. You got soft tissue work or from someone in the office, and then you got sprinkled on uh, some some rehab exercises. And, and you could be pretty efficient in that model, right? You can you can get a lot done with ART adjustment and then showing a couple exercises. That doesn't need to be a 20, 30, 45 minute visit. It can be a 8, 10, 12, 15 minute visit with some support staff around that. Uh, and so that was really your phase two uh, sports chiropractor. And then that rolls into phase three. And there's a lot of um, different aspects of this, but I'm just going to kind of paint a picture of, I would say, over the last five, seven years, give or take, right? I don't have an exact date by any stretch. Uh, but this phase three chiropractor now has layered on um, heavy rehabilitation. So I'm going to just add the two things I think it's really layered on to the foundational stuff is definitely heavy rehab, right? Um, Spending more time and effort on the the rehab side of things and even into doing post-surgical rehab. So I know some phase three sports chiropractors are doing some some of that as well. And then the second thing that would layer on is is definitely more advanced modalities, right? We're seeing shock waves and, and dry needling and you know cupping as well. Uh, more laser therapy you can you can lump into that. Um, so you're seeing a lot of that where we're getting more modalities going on. You got a very comprehensive approach in a particular practice. And you'll see sometimes the doctor's doing everything from um, palpation manipulation, soft tissue, shock wave, then 20 minutes of exercise. And, and that one particular doctor is spending a ton of time uh, with that patient, right? Almost essentially the, the PT model of, of care as far as time spent with the patient and things done uh, with that patient, right? And it looks... I mean, it's effective, right? So I'm not I'm not here to, to bash the actual results of phase three. You know, obviously we know it's doing great things, um, and and it and it looks like the the PT model, which is which is fine. Now, the things that we got to look out for because I'm seeing a, a few uh, concerning round uh, pegs and square holes or square pegs and round hole situations with this new model because it's 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 a I'm seeing a lot of chiropractors struggle with the financial model of it. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I think sometimes they're falling into the time versus results economy issue, which I'll break down. Clinical efficiency has been thrown out the window. I'm concerned that the palpation and adjustment has been lost by a lot of people or it's kind of a uh, secondary thing. And so um, the core experience of what most patients are going to, to a sports chiropractor for or a chiropractor um, may not be that uh, effective. And, and I know some people don't adjust patients, and that's fine too. But if you are adjusting patients regularly, but it's not a core competency for you because it was kind of a, a backseat thing, that's something you have to worry about because a bad adjustment um, is, is a practice killer. A bad adjustment is, is a 
practice killer, and it's worse than if you don't adjust at all, okay? Um, I think there's a concern about trying to be everything to everyone in this, in this uh, model. And then you got to worry about over-treatment sometimes. And I think two things I want you to reference um, with uh, the Brett Winchester podcast I had uh, back in April 28th of 2022, and it was Keys to Clinical Efficiency and Ethical Practice Growth uh, with Dr. Winchester. And he talks a lot about clinical efficiency and even over-treatment in that episode. And this is someone, obviously, we put on a pedestal as far as clinical excellence. And he's here to tell you that you can over-treat patients and that clinical efficiency is very important and all that improves outcomes, not decreases outcomes. And we want to get very clear on that. So let's first dissect this financial model. Um, you know, I talk a lot about the hourly capacity and I've had, we, we coach our clients on this a lot and we've had episodes on it, but it's, about, it's basically the amount of money can you, can you generate in an hour uh, through patient care, right? So if you're spending 30 minutes with a patient, you can see two patients in an hour. And if you're charging $75 a visit for that, your hourly, hourly capacity is $150 an hour. I know psychologically they, that may sound good. Like if you were getting paid uh, an hourly wage of $150 an hour, like you're an hourly wage person and you got 150 bucks an hour, you'd probably be doing pretty good. But you're trying to run a business. You're trying to operate a business that's going to grow, that needs margin. You need to have margin to reinvest some of that into team members and equipment and space and all the things that make a nice practice. Right? You know, And so that takes margin and $150 an hour capacity is not going to cut it. Uh, you know, I used to say 200 to $250 an hour. Now with the cost of everything, I mean, I'm just going to tell a little bit of a story and just so you realize how, how what's happening. But uh, I own my office real estate. It's an office condo inside of a medical building. I'm the president of the condo association. And so this is a state of Florida mostly problem, but there's other things that relate to it. Um, our insurance to insure the whole building, it's a two-story two building, it's, uh, it was $75,000 a year last year to do that. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, it is. But that's what we were used to. We had prepared to, for it to increase to $88,000. It increased to $150,000 because the value has gone up so much in the building and insurance in Florida is a nightmare right now because of all the hurricanes and everybody leaving as far as insurance carriers. So we had to assess people, right? Well, we just had our financial meeting yesterday preparing for 2024, and they're expecting us to prepare for $205,000 in insurance, right? So it's gone from 75000 to two hundred five. Now, we divide that amongst the 28 different owners based on your square footage and all that, uh, but it's going to cost me an extra few hundred dollars a month on my condo dues just for that one thing. And that's just one story of how things have gotten more expensive, and I know they have in your life from a business perspective and in your personal lives. And so your employees want more money, things cost more money, you need more money. And it might be more like you need a $300 an hour capacity minimum to run in a, an effective business that has margin to grow um, a team and, and ultimately pay everybody what they deserve. And so this, um, I'm seeing a lot of chiropractors in this phase three haven't figured out this hourly capacity yet, right? And it's, there's two levers you can pull. You can charge a whole bunch more money if you want to hear an extreme case of awesomeness in that. I had James Spencer on my podcast a couple years ago. He charges $500 or something, a session, whatever it is. He, he talks about it on the show. It's crazy. Uh, it works. People pay it. He's got a high level of expertise 
and he spends quite a bit of time with that person, like an hour. And I, I'm, again, I'm have Troy Van Beesen on. I think sometimes you're seeing docs like him doing amazing things, but trust me, he's not charging $75 a visit, okay, under that model. And then the other level, so you could you could charge more money, right? If you're going to see two people an hour, yeah, it sounds like $125 a session or $150 a session, but you're a doctor. You're not a personal trainer. You're not a massage therapist. You're a doctor, and you need to be charging what's worth. I know it can be hard, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to dive into how to do that part of it in this particular episode. But the other lever is, is like you got to get more efficient. You, you can't, you know, you got to do the math, and maybe it's, uh, maybe it's charging $75 and spending four, uh, spending 15 minutes of visit, and you're seeing four people in an hour. That math gets a little bit better, and then you can c- kind of keep on tweaking it as you go, right? And that's what you need to be doing. I think our hourly capacity is is about four hundred fifteen dollars an hour in my practice, and and that leaves more meat on the bone to have a team and have a nice space and equipment and that type of stuff. So you got to get the financial model right, and I, you know, it kind of rolls into that time versus results economy. A lot of you think you're in a time economy where people are valuing the time you're spending with you. Yes, there's a point of no return, and you could spend too little time and not get the results you want. But I know a lot of great chiropractors who become clinically efficient, again, listen to that episode with, with Brett, got very clinically efficient. They get just as good of results, if not better, than, than you or the next guy that's, that's spending a ton of time throwing a kitchen sink every visit at patients. And one of the things that Brett talks about in that episode I really like was that it can be a gradual increase in things, right? You know, visit one is going to look different than visit two is going to look different than visit three. And you're going to add and subtract and, you know, and, and things like that with that particular patient as you go along during a working treatment plan as you're figuring things out. But you got to make sure you understand you're in a results economy. A lot of patients, if you gave them two options, everything else being equal, and you said, uh, you could come in for 15 minutes or 35 minutes and get the same results, what are you going to pick? A vast majority of them are looking for efficiency and results. They want to come in. They don't want to... You know, the PT model with the post-surgical work, they have to do that type of stuff. But a lot of it's not post-surgical as well. I, I get that. Um, but people don't want to spend an hour two, three times a week. Yeah, there are some. I get that. But if you were to uh, ask that question and all other things being equal, they're going to pick the results that's efficient in time. And again, I understand there is a point of no return with that. If you have a model that is spending more time and you're going to do rehab and dry needling and shockwave and adjustment and all that, totally fine. You're going to get phenomenal results. Make sure you're not over-treating. And I know just by spending more time with it doesn't mean you're over-treating. You're skilled. I'm not here to tell you how to treat. But if you're going to spend that type of time and have that type of practice, awesome. It's going to be a great practice, but you need to make sure that you're fitting it into this financial model. And then you need to make sure you have a team around you, right? You need to be able to have a step-by-step process where you're hiring a front desk person, where you're then hiring a rehab CA, or then it's a associate, or maybe it's an athletic trainer, or maybe you once you've gotten out of practice a certain amount of time, three years, I think, for most school, maybe some for five, you, you've built an awesome, cool place to go, and you have a preceptorship program where you're getting consistent preceptors to help you out. And so now that patient is experiencing the same level of care but it's not coming all from you for 30 minutes or, or longer. And, and I think you need to really focus on building a team around you to, to implement that level of care. Because I, I, the ones I'm seeing that are doing awesome, 
it's where they're they're doing this phase three care. It's great care. It's great assessment, rehab, soft tissue manipulate. The whole thing is awesome, and they're and they're even doing post surgical work. Cool. I mean, those are cool cool practices. The ones that are doing well with it and and not dying on the vine are putting a team around them, and that's my that's kind of my main uh, take home for today with this phase three is like you got to be able to get a team to help you so that you can focus on the things that like Josh Satterley talks about is maximizing your license, right? As a DC, there's, there's only a few things that you can do that, that someone can't do that doesn't have the DC license, right? That's going to be your examination and your manipulation mainly. And there's probably a couple other things, but you get the point. So that's where you got to really build that team. And if you don't have the hourly capacity, right, you're going to spin your wheels and it's going to be a vicious cycle where you can't afford to pay yourself what you want, can't afford to pay a front desk, let alone a CA or a team. And you're going to be that lone wolf for, for quite a long time. And it, and it becomes a, a very big struggle. Um, and I've mentioned this on the podcast and, you know, it's, and I hate to see that, right? Like it, I'm okay when someone opens up their own practice in the first few years. It's it's not you know necessarily a financial lucrative scenario, but they're building right. They're 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 building a patient base. They're tucking away some money. They're not racking up debt other than <laughs> the student loan debt. Like they're doing the right things. They're putting some money away. They're increasing their margins. They can see where that next hire is. Like they're they're growing that. And and if it's in that first two three years that's great. You, you've got that step-by-step process. You're seeing the, the results and, and you see a, a vision that's bigger than your current situation. But unfortunately, I get a lot of chiropractors that fall into this phase three model and other models too, uh, that contact me in their seven, eight, 10, five, 15 years into not being able to hire the team they want, not be able to pay what they want. And sometimes it's, um, it's about getting these models right, clinically efficient, the financial model has to be going. And then sometimes they've got it all figured out in that regard. Um, but they obviously, um, they need to improve their marketing, community outreach, referrals, uh, get more get more business. And, and that's something to uh, consider as well. But as of my, you know, a little more expanded version of this phase one through phase three sports chiropractor uh, that I kind of touched on with Dr. Alan Sokoloff uh, and and I think it's an exciting, I shouldn't say, I know it's an exciting time to be a chiropractor. Um, I know chiropractors that are getting opportunities that are just out of this world. I had spotlighted Troy Van Beesen on this episode. He's going to be on the show in the coming months. Um, I had I had uh, posted in our closed Facebook group that he is, you know, retiring from, I think, 20 years of working on the PGA Tour with the highest, literally highest level golfers in the world and is now taking a director of performance position with the Dallas Stars and NHL team. And that's a position a chiropractor would rarely have had. And he's obviously transcended that. So there's just a lot of cool opportunities happening uh, for these phase three. And, you know, someone like Troy and some other docs that have uh, been out for 15, 20, 30 years um, have progressed, right? They may have started out phase one, then got into phase two, or now phase three, right? So the phase three sports chiropractor isn't just for the young buck. Uh, there's a lot of docs that have made that progression there, um, and they've tended to do pretty well with it because they've understood the models that do work from actually running a business. 
and putting your team around it and then slowly transition into say phase three. And so if you're in phase three now and you're younger or you, you never, you kind of skipped phase one and phase two and you're trying to figure out a model to do that, you can definitely reach out to us. Just go to our website, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and uh, maybe we can help you out in our uh, coaching program and get you on the right track uh, to understanding how to have this awesome skill set that you have, have this awesome uh, type of patient that you are getting, but making a really good, uh, frankly, lucrative business out of it because that's what you deserve based on the amount of school you've gone to, the amount of student loan debt you probably have, and then the amount of effort it took for you to know these other things on top of your chiropractic education to be a phase three sports chiropractor. So uh, you're doing great things. Let's just make sure that you're also having a thriving practice. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos, you send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.